thank you this morning that we can open up the scriptures and that we can look at them, we can discover truth. And God, that is what I pray we do this morning. I pray that we would, that you would unleash a move in our hearts to desire to know you, the word of God, the truth as you you know, gave it, not our opinion. God, I pray that you would rise up a standard right now in this community of faith where our opinion overrides your word. And God, that we would lay it down and listen and that we would grow because of that. So we just bring our hearts before you, say, instruct us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, you guys know Jesus talked about truth a lot, didn't he? I'm the way, the truth, the life. You know, the truth. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. I'm the truth and the life. Jesus talked about truth all the time. He was always trying to get people to discover this idea around truth. But have you ever thought this? Like, why did he talk about truth so much? You ever wondered that? Well, you're like, well, because God is true. Don't think like a 2,000-year-old Christian church. Think like the first church. They've got no Bible. They have the Old Testament scriptures. They do not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They don't have the Pauline epistles. They don't have the Joannine epistles. They don't have anything. There's nothing that they're physically holding about this movement called the way or Christianity. They don't know. They're just hearing of a Messiah that was often told of in the Old Testament, but they don't have any of the books that we have. So don't think like 2,000 years. Think like you were in the moment. Why would Jesus focus on truth so much? See, and the answer is simple. If you think of the Greco-Roman world, which was the birthplace of Western thought, philosophy was the name of the game, and everybody had an idea that they thought was what? True. That's exactly what Jesus is dealing with. Even within religious circles, they had truths that were right, that were wrong. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus didn't say a way, a truth, a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Well, when Jesus said that he was the truth, I love Greek words because often they're, they're words squished together that, that have a, like not a really a hidden meaning, but an underlying meaning in them. So in the Greek, this word is aluthia or aluthais or something. Can't pronounce it properly. I'm a white guy, English guy. But it's two words put together. A is the word against, and luthea or luthis is the word hidden. So literally means this, to take something out of hiding. That's actually what Jesus was saying. I've come so that you could discover the heart of the Father. I've come so that you could see the love of God. Well, you've got this contrasting truth. You've got the first century church. You've got thought. You've got schools of thought and halls where there were thought. You've got synagogues where they discuss thought. This idea of thought is everywhere. By the way, is that true today? It's called Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It, that's what it's called. Because everybody puts their opinion out there as what? Truth. That's what they do. And you read it. I mean, come on, the political stuff is just sideways today. Oh my gosh. It's like, I actually avoid it these days. Because when I get too much into it, it like makes my heart ugly. You guys' hearts ever get ugly when you start listening about socialism and what they think about, you know, Trump being a Nazi and, and then what they think about, you know, the candidates and, and Biden, every time he opens his mouth, he has foot and mouth disease. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like I listen to it, and I'm not even trying to make a political statement. I'm just saying the political climate is nuts. It is really, really crazy today. But, but when we're talking about truth, you've got to know this, that truth always has something from the world that is a false expression of truth versus the actual expression of truth. 
In other words, God has a truth that is actually true. You guys with me? Yes or no? Yes? Okay, God has a truth that's actually true, and the world has a truth that's usually a little bit of a mingling of some truth and then a mixture of a lot of untruth. But they will present it as what? Truth. Okay, so watch. Just from some world standards, this is the world is always competing with definitions for the fundamental truths of God. Encyclopedia Britannica. So I, I'm going to challenge you. You want to check me? Go home and just type truth in the Google search engine, hit enter, and you'll get just a, a slew of stuff. Just tons of stuff. But Encyclopedia Britannica, you guys remember way back in the day, come knock on the door, try to sell you site? That's online now. You don't have to buy them. You just go online and look. Okay, so watch, watch. The classic suggestion of truth comes from Aristotle, which is pre-Christ, uh, 384 to 322 BCE, or, or AD, or BC rather, if you go the old school way. It, watch, it's, it, how confusing is this? To say of what it is, that it is, or what it is not that it is, is true. Well, you're like, huh? Yeah, that's the same thing I said when I read it. In other words, watch, the world, the world provides what is or what is not, and the true saying or thought corresponds to the facts that are provided. That's actually accurate, by the way. You actually see the facts. This idea appeals to common sense, important, and is the germ of what is called correspondence theory of truth. In other words, it's where it initiated. We have common sense, we should be able to figure it out. Is that true? This is what I found. Common sense is often not so what? Common, that's what I found. People have ideas about truth, watch. It goes on, this is the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, okay, so this is another think tank. It says, truth is one of the central subjects of philosophy. It is also one of the largest. Truth has been the topic of discussion in its own right for thousands of years. How long? Thousands of years. That goes all the way back to Jesus and before, right? It says, moreover, watch this, a huge variety of issues in philosophy relate to the truth either by relying on the thesis about truth or implying the thesis about truth. In other words, if you have a thought about truth, it's gonna cause problems. This is what the world says about truth. It goes on though, it doesn't finish there. The summary of the Stanford study is this. It would be impossible, say impossible, to survey all there is to say about truth in any coherent way. So in other words, the think tank, the smartest people in our country say you can't figure out truth. That's what I just read to you. Can you figure out truth? Yes or no? Yes, you can. But what is truth? See, this is, this is an ongoing question, you guys. This question has been around for millennia. It didn't just pop up one day. Jesus said the way, the truth, the life. So I want you to consider the context. Remember, first century church, we're talking a little over 2,000 years ago. So when you think about this, think like this. Anything that is expressed in, in Scripture always has like a present application for us and for them, but it also has a contextual application. In other words, Jesus wrote John 14, 6 for a specific reason. He, it wasn't just like he's like, ah, I think I'll say something smart. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He was actually presenting a truth versus the contradicting truth of that day. That is actually what Jesus was doing. So when you read the scriptures, sometimes you gotta think a little bit. See, this is a battle for worldviews. This is a battle for worldviews. Now, as Christians, as Christians, listen, as Christians, we should have what kind of worldview, church? 
Christian, yeah, biblical worldview is actually what the, the, the phrase is. Christians should have a biblical worldview. Now, what does that mean exactly? Based on the Bible. That's a pretty good, like, short saying. It should be based on the scriptures. Now, I've got a question for you. If you do anything around reading, looking at stuff, what people think about faith, watch, watch. And I'm not going to go very far down this. I'm just going to mention it. What if you were to talk about abortion in Christian circles? Do Christians agree on what abortion is or is not? No. What if we were to talk about... No, they don't, actually. They really don't. What if we were to talk about morality, premarital sex, adultery, marriage, remarriage? By the way, I know a lot of people have experienced this stuff. I'm not making a moral statement. I'm making a biblical one. Does the Bible speak to these things? It does. And it's very clear, isn't it? But when you get around some circles and you start talking, they'll be like, nah, I don't think that's really what Jesus meant. I don't think that's actually what the Bible was really talking about. My favorite one, this is the one I hear more than anything else, anything else, when I talk to people who are either living together, sleeping together, cohabitating, whatever it is, they say, well, I think that God thinks that if you love somebody enough, that it doesn't matter. So, so covenant is no longer the line that, that permits intimacy between two people. It's, hey, I love you. I love you too. You know what? I've told some women I loved them. I have. I didn't love them. <laughs> I didn't. Just because I, I kind of playing a little bit. I was a pretty good boy as a whole that way. I was a wild drug guy, but I wasn't a wild sex guy, just for the record. Can't, can't present myself as something I wasn't. Just telling stories. But listen, really, in all reality, though, the world will say or give permission to whatever they're doing so that they don't have to stand face to face with God in sincerity. Listen, we can make it big issues. We can make it small ones. What you do with Christian liberties. It could be the language you use, the, the, the drinking or the excessive drinking you might do, the liberty that you might give yourself with drugs, both prescribed and unprescribed. Listen, I'm talking the truth right now. I'm just bringing it real. Like we will make allowances for ourselves all over the map and never look at, watch, a biblical worldview. What does God say about it? What does God say about it? See, and this is not a new argument. See, some of you will remember when Jesus was being, going to the cross, they arrest him. This is Judas betrays him. You guys remember this? Judas betrays him. Comes in, gives him a big smooch, and then they come and they arrest him. They bring him to the high priest, Annas, and Annas goes, yep, we should crucify him. Goes to Caiaphas' house. By the way, I've been in Caiaphas' house in the dungeon that the, Jesus most likely was held overnight. It was the wildest thing I've ever been in when I was in Jerusalem. It was really remarkable. But, but nonetheless, Caiaphas, they say, hey, man, we need permission. We can't just kill him. See, because they were Jews. They didn't have the authority in a Roman-driven culture to say death penalty for you. They had to get permission. So this is all happening. Jesus is going to be now brought before Pilate, and Pilate's even arguing with the religious people, saying, you guys don't really have a leg to stand on. Why do you want to kill this guy? I don't see any fault in him. You guys remember this story? This is John chapter 18. This is an important story. Now watch. Watch what happens with Jesus. I love Jesus. You know why I love Jesus? Because he calls it like it is, man. There is like no like fluffiness with Jesus. John chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. They read like this. It says, Jesus answered him, being Pilate, I have spoken openly to the world, and I always taught in the synagogues and the temples. Translation of that, I went into your philosophical halls and I spoke the truth. That's actually what Jesus just said. I went into your places of learning and I spoke the truth. 
That's important to understand. He continues, he says, where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. I didn't hide anything. He, and then Jesus, man, how many of you guys have seen Dirty Harry? Sticks his hand in his jacket. Go ahead, punk. Make my day. You guys like that? Everybody likes that phrase. That's the only phrase we know from that whole movie. This is a, this is a Dirty Harry moment. Watch, watch. He's Jesus talking to Pilate, the guy who has the authority to kill him. Why do you question me? <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty bold. Question those who've heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. I mean, Jesus just straight up like, I went into your synagogues, I went into your, your temples, and I taught the truth, and you guys don't want to listen, so now I'm standing here in front of you because they need permission to kill me, and I'm aware of it, and you're aware of it. And I'm not going to dance this dance with you. Go ask them why they're trying to kill me. He just straight like he is in their business. You guys got to understand, this is very, very important. And Jesus, before Pilate, he's on trial, he's trying to figure all this out. And then Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? Because this is why they want to kill him. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, is this your question? Another dirty, hairy moment. Who's asking? Come on, yeah, I, you guys, I love this kind of stuff. Because you got to understand, we always see Jesus like he's so nice, so meek and mild. Heck no. Jesus was a carpenter. My father-in-law is a carpenter. He's got the roughest hands I've ever touched in my life. You shake his hand, it's like a flipping vice grip. <laughs> You're like, hi, Grandpa. You know, that kind of, he's strong. I don't think Jesus was a weak man. Nor do I think he was man. I think he was a strong, formidable man. He says, is this your question? Pilate says, am I a Jew that you're going to ask me the question? Like they're playing back this political. There's lots of layers here. And Jesus says, my kingdom's of another realm. Then it goes on in verse 30. He says, therefore, Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I'm a king. For this I have been born. For what? This I have been born. It's important. That means pay attention. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Wait, Jesus just said everything that he did can be summarized in this one thing. I'm going to testify to the truth. That's why I'm here. It's not about whether or not I'm a king. It's not about whether or not they like me or didn't like me. It's about truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, watch, the question that's been being asked for millennia, what is truth? So Jesus is saying, listen, I came to talk about the love of God in the current eon and eons to come. I came to deliver the grace of God. That is the truth that I'm testifying of. Pilate goes, eh, what's truth? I've been in this hall. I've been in that hall. I've heard this person argue. I've heard that person argue. Now I'm hearing you argue. What's truth? I mean, what is truth really? That's what's going on. So let's again, what are some of the definitions of truth? Now I'm going to make a modern day comparison to one from the 1800s, okay? These are dictionaries. This is not my opinion. I'm going to read to you from the dictionary right now. You're like, how boring. Is this Bible? Yes. I'm taking you somewhere. Don't worry. I promise. Definition of truth, online dictionary. So if you go on, you type definition truth, this is what you'll get. Quality of state of being true, whatever that means. That which is true in accordance with fact or reality, because that's better. Watch, a fact or, or belief, watch, that is accepted as true. And then right underneath that, the emergence of scientific truth. That's the definition of modern truth right now. 
you open up your phones, you can do it yourself. I, if, if I tell you a lie long enough, this is what happens in our current generation. You'll believe it is the truth. You came from apes. You're an ape. Oh, there was a big explosion, and the big explosion created the detail in your eyes, the creativity of your mind, your skill to art, your skill to woodwork, your ability to comprehend, understand, to learn multiple languages. Help me, when have you ever seen order out of an explosion? <laughs> Help me. I, I mean, I think this is, uh, listen, this is the argument for anybody who believes this. If you put enough time into this model, it will happen. It happened millions and millions and billions of years ago. So if I just wait millions and millions and billions of years, by the way, what no science demonstrates, none anywhere will demonstrate this as reproducible or something you can test, which is actually the theory of the scientific theory, that you can test it and prove it within a lab. You can't do it. And they say, oh, by the way, it blew up, and that's how you got here. There was a mordial goo, and you came from a mordial goo, and you, you crawled out of a swamp goo, and, and then you started speaking and walking upright. Oh, no, it's the most disgusting thing that's ever been perpetrated on mankind, in my opinion. Because, listen, this is what it challenges, your identity in Christ. That's why it's so ugly and dark. And what's scary is I'm online, I'm reading, and you've got this site that's supposed to be Christian scientists, and they're arguing for the mingling together of evolution and creation. And I just sit back and I go, oh my gosh, we've lost our minds because we no longer have, watch, a biblical worldview. We don't have one anymore. We have lots of views, most of which are not biblical worldviews. They are all over the map. Okay, so that's the old school or the new one. Watch the old school definition. Okay, watch it. This, this to me is remarkable. This is from the Webster Dictionary, 1884. For those of you who don't know, Webster was a devout believer. Devout believer. Brilliant man. He actually was the one who, who first had the idea that I'm going to put definitions to the English language so people will understand what those words mean. Okay, so watch. This is what he says. He says, conformity to fact or reality, exact accordance with which is or has been or shall be. Notice past present, future. By the way, that sounds a little bit like I am. God's name is I am, I was, I am, I will be. You guys getting this? Track with me a little bit. He says, the truth of history constitutes its whole value. Watch. We rely on the truth of scriptural prophecies. This is in a dictionary. He's not done, though. We rely on the truth of scriptural power. My mouth shall speak truth, Proverbs 8, 7. Sanctify them with truth. This is in the definition. In the definition. Sanctify with them with truth. Thy word is truth, John 17, 7. Sincerity. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, John 4, 23. The truth of God is his veracity and his faithfulness, Psalm 71, 23. Or his revealed will. I have walked in thy truth, Psalm 26, 3. Jesus Christ is called the truth, John 14. This is a book in schools. And you wonder why we've lost our way as a, watch, as a Christian community. Not even talking about the world right now, talking about us. We've lost our way because there are no values being imparted or imposed upon us at all. So can truth your truth, my truth, their truth. Can truth be different? Yes or no? 
See, look, even in a room like this, I got yes and no. Truth can be different. Okay, so you're telling me that if I say two plus two is five, my truth can be as right as your two plus two is four? Truth is not subjective. That is part of the lie. And watch, parents, I love you. This is being perpetrated on your kids everywhere. If they are in a public environment, they are being taught deception and lies. Now listen, that's gonna happen some. It's called the world. But you also have to be aware of this. It's your job at home to teach them what's right. It's our job at church to teach them what's right. Now watch, watch. Let me just, just I'm just going to be a knucklehead right now. So, so say, I love you, Pastor. Love you. Say, I love you. Your kids spend, oh, I don't know, 25, 30 hours a week in school. Then they do all sorts of homework. And when they're done, they've spent what would be a working week in the environment that is teaching something anti-God, anti-Christ, how much are you diffusing that by teaching them Christ? Ouch is right. And we wonder why our kids don't want to walk with God. Listen, I'm a pastor. I've raised my kids to love God, and I'm having the same struggle you all are. For my kids to believe God is real, to not just say, I don't want to go to church as much as you do. Come on, your kids are saying it too. They might be showing up, but they're not in it to win it. I can tell you that for sure. See, I'm watching it in my own family. I'm watching it in yours too. And we are losing the battle of faith within our households because there's so many lies being perpetrated on our kids because we just don't adhere to anything that's foundationally or fundamentally true. Truth cannot be different. Truth is absolute. My truth and your truth cannot be different. If God, if God values life, then I can't say, well, I value choice more than life and be okay with God. You, are you guys tracking with me at all? Listen, this is direct. This is straight in your business. I am not trying to be mean, condescending. I'm not trying to bring shame. I know some of you in the room have made the mistakes I'm speaking of. I understand that. Not throwing stones. I'm saying this. You bought the lie. You bought the lie that your choice is more valuable than what God thinks about people or a person. That's the truth. So how do we move out of this season, this cycle? We've got to start to break down some of the lies and start to understand what did God really say? It, you know, if God is really that for us, then how is it that we get lost in so much of the detail, so much of the argument? Well, listen, I'm just going to talk to you for a second. I love you all. Most of you don't read your Bibles. Most of you don't know who God is. You don't ever study them. That's why I'm teaching this series. Because, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you, he's full of life and truth. And if you read it, you'll discover him. Listen, for those of you who do read it, did you discover him? Is he amazing? Way better than anything you've ever seen. But listen, our young people are going into their lives without seeking out God, searching him. They're planning their way. They're not saying, God, what is my way? What is my way from you? They're just saying, I, I just want a job, I want an education, I want this thing, I want that guy, I want that girl. And they're never stopping to say stuff like this. Are we unequally yoked? No one teaches this anymore. No one teaches this. Are you unequally yoked with an unbeliever? You can ask my son, he's sitting in the room. Every time he comes home and says, oh, this girl's cute. I, what's my first question? Is she a believer? Because if she's not a believer, I don't care if you're 20, this is going down, that's what's gonna happen. You know why? Because I don't want you to gain the world and lose your soul. I understand this. How do I know that? 
because I almost gained the world and lost my soul. That's how I know. Listen, we're all older, smarter, maybe a little stupider, I don't know. But we've all lived this life long enough to know this, that if you do it God's way, it works. And if you don't, it doesn't. But that is what's confronting our culture today. The Bible's archaic. It's not relevant anymore. That's what I hear. See, listen, there's a battle for truth, and it's on every front, religious, ethnic, ethnic, cultural, world powers, philosophy, it doesn't matter what it is. There is a contending with what God thinks and what the world says God should think. That is happening everywhere you go. It's happening in our hearts. It's being portrayed in front of us everywhere. L listen, listen. Um, this is a little bit of preaching, so just deal with me for a second. I remember when I got saved, I was taught this. You don't go to R-rated movies. You know why you don't? Because it's not appropriate to watch people have sex, cuss, all the death and dying. Today, do I, still, do I still hold that value? No, I still hold values, but if I were honest, I've compromised. I'm just being flat, flat out straight up with you. Listen, some of you guys, you take stuff in that is like flat out disgusting and ungodly. We watch TV shows with people hooking up, sleeping together, doing all sorts of craziness, and then watch. Then we wonder why our kids want to live, live with their, their partners. Because we put it in front of them their whole life. We never taught them this is wrong. And we do this. It's just entertainment. Is it? It's not very entertaining when it's hitting your household, is it? It's not very entertaining when you're watching your kids lose their way or your loved ones lose their way. Now, am I telling the truth right now, church? I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm trying to wake you up a little bit. I'm trying to say there is a battle for truth today. And truth is not relative. It's absolute. Truth is not someone's opinion, my opinion versus yours or yours. None of those things. What does God's word say? What is a biblical worldview on life? That is why I've been pushing the word of God on you, saying, man, because I started to discover. And I remember when I got saved. I remember, like, I tell you guys a story. I said a prayer, and God set me free from drugs like that. But you know what? He didn't set me free from all the circle I was in and people I was around. Am I talking to anybody? Like, all my friends were still ungodly and worldly. They were still smoking and snorting and drinking. They were doing all of that. And then I would show up, and I'd be like the little goody two-shoes. They would pass me a joint, and I would pass it. They would offer me a drink. I would say, no, thank you. But I was still in this environment of all of these ungodly people, and this is what happened to me in that window. I can't be here anymore. You know why I can't be here anymore? Because I'm going to do this again if I stay here. Because the norm here is to be ungodly. And I remember it, man. It was like heartbreaking because I thought, they're my friends. They'll still, they'll still want to go to the movies. I just won't go to the parties anymore. Come on, am I talking to anybody? I won't go to the parties anymore. We'll go to the movies. We'll still go hang out for dinner. You know what? When I stopped doing what they did, they stopped calling me. All of a sudden, I'm like, I got no friends. Because I thought I had friends, but as soon as I started to live as light and darkness, they weren't having any of that. Am I talking to someone this morning? I'm hoping I'm talking to you. Listen, I'm not saying cut off your worldly friends. I'm saying live like light and darkness. That is what you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be doing their deeds. You're supposed to not be doing their deeds so that you show them the light of God's power, his forgiveness. Like, like Jesus, see, he said that, that you would know the truth and the truth would make you free. So live like a free person, not like a bound one. See, it crosses all 
all. See, the biggest gift we've been given as believers is the Bible. I mean, short of Jesus himself, the communication of God. I mean, I taught you guys this last week. The communication of God is the scriptures. It's how he demonstrates what he's bringing into our lives, what he's imparting to us, the values and the blessings he's given to us. It's why it's so important that we sit with it, we meditate on it, that we actually get it into our hearts. Watch Psalm 119, 160 says, he says, the sum of your word is truth. The sum of your word is what? It's truth. And every one of your righteous ordinance is everlasting. So watch, God's word is communication, is truth. It's absolute. It's not varying, shifting. Watch also this, his communication, his truth is everlasting. So watch, next time somebody says to you, the Bible's archaic. God, you know, I don't think Jesus really meant that when he talked about um, homosexual lifestyle. And I'm certain that Paul didn't really mean that when he talked about homosexual lifestyle. Listen, can I, can I just erase all of the sin stuff and say this? Man, God has a greater freedom for you. I'm not trying to pick on a particular sin. I, listen, I don't care if you like boys or girls. It makes no difference to me. I want you to honor God with your life. That's, that's what makes a difference to me. I feel like an effective leader, pastor, when I've imparted to you a value that represents God's heart. That's what I'm trying to present to you. Trying to raise the water level a little bit. Listen, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer, that the Holy Spirit, who promises to do this, by the way, would be present enough in your life, and you would be listening enough that when he says, don't do that, you would say, yes, sir. Because he said he came to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So if you say, man, I don't think God thinks there's anything wrong with this, but his word expressly says it, who's wrong? The person who's contradicting the word. And that's just period. But I'm watching it watching it unfold, and it's saddening me. And the reason it's saddening me, because I know it breaks God's heart when people make decisions that, watch, that destroy their destiny. God didn't destine us to live bound. He didn't destine us to live a fractured, broken-hearted lifestyle. He didn't destine that for us. Anybody in the room not made a mistake? You know, yeah. I love, absolutely love that God takes my stupidity and, and, and makes beauty out of it somehow. I love the scriptures that say that God takes beauty from ashes. I, I love those scriptures because they give me hope because I do dumb things all the time. You're like, you're the pastor. Yeah, and I'm human too. I do dumb things all the time. And I love that God can take my stupidity and say, hey, I can make something good out of this if you'll bow your heart before me if you'll invite me to shift it around a little bit, if you'll be honest with me about it being wrong and say, yes, God, I am sorry. I did that and I know it was wrong. It's just called repentance. That's a, that's a lifestyle of a believer, that we should live a lifestyle of repentance, a lifestyle, watch, of confession where we are agreeing with what God says about something. Listen, God never said perfection, so get that out of your head never said perfection. He said, walk with me and I'll make you perfect as I'm perfect. He said, take the journey with me and I'll shift your heart around and make something new out of you. Man, is that amazing? Like that's, that's what I'm hoping you're getting. Like, I know I'm pounding the sin thing, but what I'm really trying to pound is he made you better than that. You are destined for greatness and glory. You're like, I don't want to be great. I want to sit in the back row. Then sit in the back row. Be great in the back row. 
I don't care what you do. Do all that you do for the glory of who? Of God. That is so important, and we've lost that. We build our kingdoms, our worlds, and we miss that we were called to honor God. His truth is his truth, his communication. His truth is also everlasting. It doesn't shift. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of God are true. You ever had God give you a good judgment? They're righteous altogether. You're like, God's judgments are true? Truth, if you will? The answer is yeah. I don't know about you, but I've argued with God a few times. Anybody else ever argued with God? I'm, and, and I can argue. If you know me, like I'm arguing with you all right now. You're listening and I'm telling you something. We're having a mental debate, only you're not getting to talk back. <laughs> it's true. Some of you are sitting there going, I disagree. I agree. That's a good point. I, that's a pretty good argument. Nah, he's stupid. That's, you guys are thinking all that right now. Some of you are even thinking if he added this, it would even be a stronger argument. I know that. Can't cover it all, but I do understand this, that we're all in this, this dialogue with God. His judgments are what? They're true. I've argued with God. I've never won. I've never won. Even when I think I've won, it was his idea to start with anyway. You don't ever win an argument with God. You surrender to him. You honor him. You bow before him. See, God is righteous. He's just. His judgments are true. And a few more scriptures. Just building this thought, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord. By the way, great prayer. Teach me your ways, O Lord. That is a great prayer. I'm going to say it with you again. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Watch, let's do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Teach me your ways, O Lord. That is a great prayer. You know why? Because you don't know his ways. That's why he's praying that. Teach me your ways, O God. I will walk in your truth. My lifestyle, manner of life will be in your truth. Watch, unite my heart to fear your name. See, when God does this with you, your heart's united with his. And you ever walked knowing that you needed to honor God? Anybody ever done that? Like you go into something, you're like, man, ooh, this is going to be a rub, but I need to honor God in this. And when you do it, you feel his power, his strength, his support, how he'll undergird. Well, watch, you ever had God give you favor when everyone is against you because you knit your heart with his? That's what this is talking about. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to knit my spirit with his spirit, and he's going to give me favor. See, listen, this is about walking in faith, church. This is not about angles. This is not about authority of position. This is about the favor of God. God will open doors for you that no man can shut, period. You go in, you're like, everybody's against me, and God will go, here you go. Boom, there, yep. You know why? Because I have all the authority. They don't. See, so get some, surrendering, submitting to God, it provides open doors, opportunities, avenues. And then the last one, just along the lines of truth, this is my favorite one. This is especially dear to me because when I was discovering God, this idea that he had a name and a nature and those things were inseparable, that if God's name was I am, I'll always be with you, that there was never a time that he couldn't be with me because his very nature said that he would always be with me, that was good news for me. Because I'd been ditched by people before. I'd had things happen. But watch, this one, I love this passage. I quote this passage so often. The Lord passed by in front of him, this being Moses, and proclaimed. This is God declaring about God. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, 
and abounding in loving kindness and truth. So God abounds his very nature, his very name, his very character, his entire being revolves around this absoluteness of rightness. God can't, by definition, God cannot be wrong. Man, so if you lean into God and God can't be wrong, are you in good shape or what? See, listen, I get it, man. We want to figure out ways to get what we want in life, and sometimes we do it a backdoor way or we kind of go end around, and the end of that is always negative, even if you get it. When you do it God's way, it's not always negative. And even if you've done it negatively, this is another thing that's amazing to me about God, is that if you do it wrong and you go to him and say, hey, I did it wrong, he'll go, okay, let's make that right together. I love that about God. Listen, I know when I talk about this stuff, some of you made huge mistakes. You made it with, with finances. You made it in parenting. You made it in your marriages. You made it in your workplaces. You made it with your, all of us have. We've all made mistakes. Can we agree with that? All of us have made mistakes. And God says, bring your heart to me and I'll fix it. You and me together will do this because my nature says I'm full of truth. And if you attach yourself to my nature, you too will be full of truth. This is biblical worldview. This is living the life of the spirit. So where does all this craziness come from? Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, how did we get so messed up, pastor? Just by being you, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> no, you gotta go way, way back. So you gotta go back to the origin of sin. You've got to go back to the very inception of when God gave rules. God gave rules, even to Adam and even the garden, didn't he? He went to them, he said, listen, whole garden's yours. You can do whatever you want in the garden. Don't touch that tree, don't touch that tree. Knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. He said, don't touch those two. Everything else, do whatever you want. So, you know, you like you watch naked and afraid. It's like Adam and Eve chilling in the garden, doing whatever they wanted. No difficulty. They didn't have to figure out how to light fire or do anything. They just lived it out in a right way. Maybe naked and afraid is not a very good example, huh? Just saying. <laughs> See naked people. No, I'm playing. This is recorded. I should be careful. <laughs> They're in the garden, living with God, honoring God. And then they decide, as the devil deceives them, did God really say, don't touch that? You know, if you touch it, You'll be really smart, just like God. By the way, was he telling the truth? You'll know good and evil. So it was a partial truth, not a whole truth. So they jump in, they eat, and then what happens? Immediately they understood they were what? Naked. They immediately understood something changed. Watch, isn't this every one of us when we do a sin we, don't, we know we're not supposed to? All of a sudden you feel exposed. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, darn it, I blew it, didn't I, God? I got one yep in the room. I know what I like. You guys are like, Pastor, please be nice when this is done because you're killing me right now. No, I'm not killing you. I'm, I'm discipling you right now is what I'm doing. I'm raising the bar a little for you all. Raising the bar. Just saying, hey, we cannot do it the world's way and assume a God outcome. We've got to do it God's way if we want a God outcome. So all of a sudden they discover, hey, we're naked. There's something wrong. And God comes looking for them. Now, I always like this story because God behaves with human characteristics because he shows up and he says, hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? This is the all-knowing, all-powerful God. Did he know where they were? See, in my estimation, 
This was when sin entered the world. God was immediately trying to draw them back into relationship. Immediately he was saying, here's your opportunity to repent. Where are you? And what did they say? Well, we were actually hiding, God, and we were hiding because we knew we were naked. And God says, well, who told you you were naked? Did, did you eat from the tree? Did he know that they ate from the tree, yes or no? Of course he did. He was trying to draw them in, watch, to repentance and confession. But listen, listen, just like he's doing with us. That's the journey of faith. You make mistakes and you want to run and hide because you're ashamed. You can't believe you did it, how stupid I am. Maybe I'll get away with it. Maybe I'll hide. It doesn't matter. This is what I know, that when you go back to God and you say, I blew it. God, I blew it. Can you help me? He always does. Always does. In fact, I can honestly say I've never had a time where God didn't help me. There's times where I like the way he helped me more than the way that he helped me other times. Am I telling the truth? Sometimes he's like, yeah, you're not going to lose your life, but this is going to cost you a little. You know what I'm saying? And there's other times where he's like, I've got your back on this one. I'm going to bail you out. Just going to, you know, no, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. I just love you. I'm full of grace and mercy. I'm going to bail you out right now. I'm going to pull you out of this. See, listen, that is actually the message of the gospel, what I just said. God loves you enough that when you agree with him, he'll enter right in and, and make crooked things straight. He'll make valleys rise up, mountains go low. He'll give you, the, like it says in Isaiah, the highway to holiness where there's nothing that can destroy you, attack you. He gives you a pathway to walk on that preserves you. Is that good news or what? See, but you've got to understand something about this, this journey. We have to, as believers, we have to hold a biblical worldview. Watch. And then we have to live out of it. Listen, we can't live like the world and then show up in, on, at church on Sunday and think that everything will be fine. If you sow to the wind, you will reap what? The whirlwind. And God doesn't want that for you. Heck, I, as your pastor, don't want it for you. I really want you to discover walking in freedom. And that freedom comes, listen, this is so important, by knowing this. You know why it's so important to know this? Because the God you love and serve, the one who's called your Messiah, he demonstrated himself in this. You want to know what he thinks, how he feels? It's right here. You know, there's not a question you can ask that isn't covered in this. I have people challenge me all the time, like, oh, no, it covers that too. Well, what about this? No, it actually covers that one too. And then they'll always ask them, like, well, what about technology? I'm like, well, no, the Bible doesn't say anything about computers. It does say to redeem the time, though. And we're pretty good at wasting time, aren't we? Man, I love the convenience of a smartphone. What about you guys? It's the biggest time waster I've ever experienced in my life. It is. God can get distracted on Facebook. There's a really cool tennis app I play. Like, I'm... I'm number 23 in the world or something. Like, I'm good at it. You know, I'm like, and I can waste hours. Hours doing nothing, nothing. Watch, but I can also open up the U version and read the Bible. I can also open up YouTube, listen to worship, listen to preaching. I can open up podcasts and listen to me. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. That's, that was intended to be funny. You, you, you can do whatever. You can make whatever the tool is, you can use it for, for God, 
or it can be something that's destructive. So listen, the Bible doesn't talk to you about a cell phone, but it does talk to you about how you should use your time. See, listen, at the, at the end of all of this, the, Adam and Eve understood this, that they had blown it and they needed something from God to bring them back into relationship with them. So I'm going to tell you what those two things are. You're like, there's two things? There might even be more than two. But for this morning, I just want to bring two of them to you. I've already mentioned both of them. We're going to close right now and mention both of them. You're like, wow, he's actually going to be done before noon. Yes. I shouldn't pause too long. Let me keep talking. First thing I know. First one is this. Listen. Repentance. This is the key to your journey with Christ. Repentance is simply this. It's the word metanoia in the Greek. Like I said, I love Greek words. You know why I like Greek words? Because they have really cool meanings. Meta, metamorphosis, meta to change. Noia, nous, noggin, knowledge. Change your mind. Repentance literally means this, to change your mind. And it literally means this, to change your mind to think what God thinks. So if God says something is wrong, is it wrong? That means we repent and we change our mind to be like God. That's repentance. That is a key, a key to walking with Jesus. Absolute key. The second word is similar to it, but it's not the same, and it's confession. Now, confession is kind of interesting because confession is the word homo logio, homo the same as logio words, to say the same words as God. So I'm going to think like God. I'm going to speak like God. Listen, when I learned that, that was like life-changing for me. Do I always live in it? No. But I, I thrive, thrive, push toward. If God says it's not impossible, then it's not what? Impossible. It's not. If God says that I, my mind can change, then my mind can what? Change. If God says my behavior can be conformed to the image of Christ then it can be what? Conformed to the image of Christ. See, listen, you got to understand this. All this battle for truth is a battle for your identity. That's what it's all about. Who are you in God? Oh, you're just a glob of molecules. Or before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I predestined you. Are these different messages? Oh, you can do away with the glob of cells, but no one, no one can do away with how God gleams on you that you're the apple of his eye, the very center of everything he sees. Man, I'll tell this changed me. I'm not lying to you guys. It still changes me today. Every time I get funky in my head, anybody else get funky in their head? Start thinking stupid, and then stupid thinking leads to stupid actions. And I, I mean, the other day, and I'm really going to close right now. The other day I was doing this, I'm like, it's getting on. I found like, I just need to go be alone. Really what I was saying is this. I need God's spirit to weave with mine right now because I'm feeling really fleshy. I'm wanting to get mad right now and I'm kind of thinking everything's stupid. And, and the truth is I'm in an amazing season. Like I've had some seasons that are hard. That is not right now. I mean, I sense God's presence, his favor on, on not only me, but my, my family. It's remarkable actually. Like, you know, when somebody walks up, they say, how are you doing? And you say, good. But you're just saying that? Uh, that's not me right now. When you ask me how I'm doing, I'm actually, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Like the, one of the best seasons, honestly, I've ever had. Did anything change? Only that. Only that. 
some of the things I desire, nothing's changed. But right here it has. There's this sense of faith that God is with me, that he's for me, that, he, that he's directing. I'm seeking his wisdom. He's leading me. Am I telling anybody right now what you should be doing? Seeking his wisdom. He's leading me. Man, changes the whole game. That's what I'm encouraging you. Search the scriptures to find out what God says about stuff. Listen, if you want answers, I don't do this ever, so I could just have opened the email nightmare of the world. Shoot me your questions. I would love to answer your questions. What does God think about this? And it won't be my opinion. I will bring you what the scripture says about it. Because the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation is what the Bible teaches. All right, I'm done preaching that. You guys okay? Okay. You want more? <laughs> All right, let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you all. Father, I, I pray right now that, um, that you would impart an understanding of your truth into each heart in the room. God, and I understand this, that all of us, every one of us, some with years of experience, some with months of experience, we all come before you just trying to figure out, like, God, what do you say about stuff? And you gave us a book that's full of wisdom, written by your spirit, penned by men, but all that, that reveals and represents your heart, your love, your kindness, your mercy, and God, I pray that you would put a desire in us to want to know it. God, we're grateful for technology. We can listen to it while we drive. We can all sorts of stuff. Just so many ways to get it now. God, I pray that you would help us to discover. And Lord, I do pray that there would be a lifestyle of repentance and confession that would be about the way we behave as Christians. That when our thinking is wrong, we need to repent. When our words are wrong, we need to say what God says. And God, I pray that when we agree with you, that there would be that, that knitting together of our spirits with your spirit, that we would know that we know that we're walking in truth. So God, I pray that you would bless. Bless the intellect in the room to discover you. Bless the hearts in the room to be warmed up, to fall more deeply in love. God, bless the actions in the room that they would be in line with what your will is. God, where there's sin, I pray you'd forgive it. Where there's correction, I pray that you would bring it. When there's strength needed and weakness, I pray that you'd supply it. Now, there's so much in you that we don't possess, but when we come to you, you just give it so liberally, and I pray that you would do that for us. So we thank you this morning that we can gather to worship. And God, I pray that there would be discovery for every one of us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, God bless you all. Have a great Sunday.